So for the last couple weeks here at WPC, we have been journeying together through uh, the Beatitudes, through the first part of the Sermon on the Mount. And as we've journeyed through uh, the Sermon on the Mount, I've I've tried to remind us that um, Jesus starts this this message, this message that is uh, uh, so foundational for understanding who Jesus was and how the the church starts and who Jesus is and what we are called to do as followers uh, of Jesus. He starts it the way that we end most of our, our sermons. So we end most of our sermons with, with a benediction, right? Not really our sermons, most of our services. I'll stand up here and I'll say something like, hey, you just heard scripture, we just worship together, no, go out and live it out. Right? I'll, we'll kind of end that. So Jesus starts his message, the Sermon on the Mount, with these blessings. Go out and, and do it. And then he gets into the instructions. So he starts with the blessings, and then he gets into the instruction. And, and in the Beatitudes, in the Beatitudes, he kind of he talks through three different types of blessings. Um, This is where we've been the last few weeks. Uh, First, he talks about the blessings for those in need. He starts with with the people who know that they're broken. These are the people who are are on their their knees and and, uh, kind of have their hands out. And because of where they sit, they have a unique understanding of who God is and, and, and how God works in the world. And because of that unique understanding, Jesus says they are blessed. And then secondly, there's the blessings for those who, who help others. And these are the merciful, the pure in heart, and the peacemakers. And as we've talked about them the last couple of weeks, we've said these are the people who actively reach out. These are the people who, who actively reach out. And as they reach out, they are blessed. And then lastly, where we're going to be uh, this morning is Jesus blesses the, those who are, are persecuted, um, those who are hurt, those who are, are suffering as they follow Jesus. And I gotta admit, as I, I sat down to kind of prep the sermon, this is a this is this is a hard place to be. A hard thing to kind of to kind of talk to. Those who actually suffer for their faith. And here we see the image of somebody kind of lying on their back, reaching their hands up in the air and saying, Ugh, uh. So the first seven Beatitudes, the, the first seven that we've talked through, um, it talks about lifting people up out of the valley, valley of poverty, of grief, of despair, and then sending them out into the world to show mercy and purity, to be peacemakers in a broken and divided world. And then when we get to this last beatitude where we're about to, to read, it's essentially saying once you're faithfully following Jesus out in the world, once you're, you're, you're blessed because you're serving people out in the world, you can expect trouble. You can expect, you've gotten out of the valley, you can expect people try to push you back into the valley. So along the way, as we're, we're lifted up, as we're sent out, as we're, we're pushed back down, followers of Jesus learn that joy and hope are found in the unlikeliest of places. So we, we learn that, that joy and suffering and hope and despair aren't always opposite uh, poles of one another. They don't always stand opposites of one another. So Jesus starts his ministry, we've talked through this, he starts his ministry by, by preaching and kind of walking around healing people, from, from starting from, from Galilee, walking around preaching people around the sea, and, and uh, along the way he heals people, and, and they recognize they're broken. And then, then we read at the beginning of Matthew 5 that Jesus has these crowds that have followed him, even people who have been healed themselves, or people who have had friends who have been healed, they follow him along the way, and he goes up on a mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them. And as we've been journeying through the Beatitudes, I've tried to get us 
to, to, to kind of talk through them ourselves, to, to try to memorize them. So please join with me as we, we read this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We pray for you. Gracious and, and loving God, we thank you for the gift of your, your scripture, for the truth uh, that we can find in it. And now as we spend the next few moments talking through this, this beatitude, Lord, we ask that you give us ears to hear what you have for us. And God, I ask that you would take my words and use them for your kingdom. Amen. So our, our family, um, one of my, fa- my family's favorite movies right now is Toy Story 4. Have any of you seen Toy Story 4? Anybody with kids has seen Toy Story 4. And, and older. And, 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 and well, you have kids do that. Kids at heart. Yeah, they're yeah. kids at heart. Um, you've all seen the regular Toy Story, the first Toy Stories, right? The, 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 so you know you know what, what, what they're kind of about, right? The, the toys in, in the room, they, they come alive, they, they, they play, they, they do all those things. So um, in, in the, the most recent Toy Story, there's a new character. There's a new character who my kids love named Forky. Named, named Forky. Named, named Forky. Now, now Forky is is a, a toy, a creation of a little girl named Bonnie who who goes to school. She goes to school for the first time, and she she creates this toy, a plastic spork, um, a popsicle stick, uh, pipe cleaners. These are pipe cleaners and googly eyes, and she brings it home in her backpack. And the moment she leaves her room, all of the other toys are like, "What? What's going on? Who's?" And and, and Woody jumps out. You, you all know who Woody is, right? Yeah. Woody jumps out and, and, and he says, he says, Bonnie made a friend. And, and, and they say, oh, that's great. First day of school, she made a friend. He said, no, you don't really understand. She made a friend, <laughs> which is which is forky. Uh, well, well, Disney, um, being the, the marketing geniuses and the master storytellers that they are, they did a series of spin-off short short films um, uh, about Forky after Toy Story 4 came out, and uh, they're called Forky Asks a Question. And there's these series of, of um, the, the other toys in Bonnie's room teaching Forky about life, teaching, teaching Forky about all the different things that, that happen in life. Um, Ella, do you want Forky back? No. Um, so, so one of them is called What is Art? One of them is called What is Art? One of them is called What is Art, and another is called What is a Friend, and and Forky kind of walks around in the different toys in in, in the room, teach Forky what is money, what is is time, what is a leader, and in the toys, they're kind of of cool four or five minute videos about these these different things that the toys are, are teaching Forky about life. So when I was preparing for this, this sermon this morning, I, I couldn't help um, 
But think of the question is, what is persecution? What is persecution? So in, in this service, in our 1115 service, it's a little more laid back. So when I ask the question, it's not just rhetorical. Um, so so when, when you hear what is persecution, what, what comes to mind? John, what do you think of when you think of persecution? It's a good question. <laughs> what I try to avoid. What you try to avoid. <laughs> what you try to avoid. Any, anybody else? What, what do you think of when you think Yeah. Bullying. Bullying. Yeah, bullying could be a type of persecution. What else? Yeah, I think of the, the weak being uh, attacked by the powerful. The weak being uh, attacked by the powerful. That's, I, I like that, yeah. Yeah. What else? Lack of justice. Lack of justice. Um, I want to make sure I repeat you correctly and not making up answers. Yeah. For some reason, I'm thinking like a persistent. Like Pers- a, a persistent, persistent like, like like somebody just poking on your forehead yeah. over and over and over again. But worse than that. Uh, anything else? Any other source of? All of it's coming from the side. Yeah. Someone attacks you for your beliefs or lifestyle. When someone attacks you for your beliefs or lifestyle, yeah, persecution. Tip. Humiliation. Humiliation. All, all, all good. Good answers. When I, when I think of that question, what is, is persecution? I, I start asking questions of, is it the same as suffering? Is it the same as being disrespected? And I, and I ask those questions rhetorically. You don't have to answer them. Um, uh, 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 is it the same? And I just ask myself, like, what, what's the difference between being disrespected and being persecuted? Is there one? I don't know that there's a, an answer to that. Just something to think through. But hopefully, as, as we talk through this, this passage this morning, um, we'll, we'll, we'll get a little bit more clear of a, a, a definition of what Jesus means when he talks about persecution. There's a couple of different theo- theologians that uh, I respect, and when they, when they talked about persecution, they came up with a, a definition that I, I really like. They said, the persecuted are those who seek God's will in spite of what others want, who love God so much they are faithful to God when oppressed and who follow Jesus so unreservedly that they suffer for him. Those who are persecuted, they they put God first above everything else. They they love God even when life gets difficult. And they follow Jesus when they they suffer for it. So Jesus ends this beatitude um, in the same way that he starts his beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the... Kingdom of heaven. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then he ends it with blessed are the persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. heaven. He ends it the same kind of kind of book ends the different types of of beatitudes with theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, There's plenty of of examples in the Bible uh, and really throughout history about about suffering for devotion to Jesus. Uh, Many of us know the story of Stephen. What do you know about the story of Stephen? He was a martyr. He was the first martyr, yeah. What were we going to say, Aubrey? First, well, one of the first deacons. One of the first deacons. Uh, that, probably not the guy you want to put up and say, hey, if you want to be a deacon. <laughs> probably not Probably not so um, Not so much. Anything else we know about Stephen? He stood up for what he believed. What was that? He stood up. He stood up to lead. I mean, he, was, he believed. stood up for what he believed, yeah. He stood up for what... What he believed. Um, he's one of the first deacons, as Aubrey said, and in and, and, and Acts, we're, we're told that, that he's full of power, full of grace. And, and some of the, the leaders, some of the religious leaders heard him teaching, heard him preaching. They didn't like what he said, so they take him to the high council in Jerusalem, to the Sanhedrin. And, uh, and, and then he stands up to kind of defend himself, mm-hmm. but not just to defend himself, to also teach them. 
to teach them. So he connects Jesus to the faith of their ancestors. And kind of says, how can you, you're missing this. How, how are you missing this? And they didn't like what he said, so they, they, they dragged him out of the city and, and, and stoned him. And Luke writes that as he's being murdered, Stephen cries out, look, there's the Son of Man standing right next to the, or right, the right hand of God. And then Stephen prays for his accusers, for his enemies, as they throw stones at him. One, one of his accusers who was there, somebody who, who approved his stoning, was, was Saul, who we later know as Paul, right? What, what do we know about Paul? This, this is the Paul or part. Saul? You, both, when Paul he, and Saul. When he was Saul, yeah. he persecuted Christians. He persecuted Christians. And when Christians. he was Paul, he wrote most... So he moved from being a persecutor to a person who's persecuted, right? What, what else? What else do we know about Saul Paul? He was a big deal as a, as a Jewish religious man. He, he was a big deal. Like yeah, it was a big deal in, in, in the, the Jewish faith. Um, at the time, really, really big deal. Anything else? He had the answer to God. You what? He had the answer to God. He had the answer to God. Yeah, definitely true. He, he, he had the answer. He had he had the answer to God. Um, so he meets Jesus right on the road to Damascus. We we know that that some of us know that story. Uh, he moves from being persecuted to persecuted. Some scholars actually believe. Uh, I hadn't read this before, but while I was preparing for this morning, I did. Some scholars actually believe that that any time Paul felt, found himself on, on trial, which was quite often, that he actually looked to his experience watching Stephen defend himself to the Sanhedrin as a model for his own defense. So he witnessed what happened with Stephen and then kind of used that as a model for his own defense, connecting the historical faith, the historical Jewish faith, to, 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 to Jesus. And uh, Paul often wrote about his suffering He's beat up. He's put in prison multiple times. And, and like most of the leaders of the early church, he's eventually killed for his faith. And when he writes about his journey in Philippians, he says he says some, some crazy things. I think they're crazy um, or challenging, maybe. To live is Christ, to die is gain. I want to know Christ, to know the power of his resurrection, and to participate in Jesus' sufferings. He wants that. And forgetting what is behind, I press on toward the goal for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul constantly put himself in places where he was persecuted. Constantly suffered everywhere he went. And along the way, he often said that his suffering produced joy. Again, this is that, that piece where, where, where joy and hope aren't always separate from suffering and persecution. So Stephen and Paul are really two examples from Scripture. Peter suffered, James suffered, Mary suffered, and really anyone who was kind of an early follower of Jesus suffered to some degree. And it doesn't stop with, with biblical times. If, if you uh, want to go in and read some, some pretty crazy stories, I, I'd encourage you to go read the story of John Huss or of William Tyndale, or, or more recently, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Esther John, um, Oscar Romero. I mean, there's there's a lot of people historically that, that you could go and, and, and read up about. Now, it's hard to know how many people today, today, die every year because of their faith. You, you can you can try to look for the numbers. You're going to find multiple different accounts of, of, of what you might find. Um, but it happens far more often than any of us would be comfortable with, or at least maybe I should speak for myself, that I, I am comfortable with. Um, and we also can't know exactly how many people are imprisoned or, or shunned by their families or communities, 
We can't know those things, but we can know, the Hebrews writer tells us, that we are called to stand with them. That we are called to pray for them. That we are called to journey with them. So we should be praying for the community of the pastor from Nigeria who was killed this last January. For families that are forced into exile because of what they believe, we should be praying for them. For faith leaders who end up in prison in different parts of the world, we should be praying for them. And as Jesus reminds us in the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to get here in a couple weeks, we should be praying for their captors too. Not just those who are persecuted, as well as the persecutors. The eighth beatitude is the only one that Jesus gives, and, and I'm thankful for it, um, where he gives a little bit of an explanation. So it's not just one sentence. He, he says the sentence, and then he kind of breaks down, well, here's what I mean by that. And so we kind of have a little bit more of a picture of what Jesus means when he's talking about persecution. So first he says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then in verses 11 and 12, he, he continues to describe what he means. First, he says, blessed are you when people insult you, when they, they ridicule you, when they say all kinds of horrible, false things about you. So, is persecution always physical then? No, this, this, isn't, this isn't physical persecution. There's, there's other types of, of persecution as well. And sometimes persecution comes from, from the people we, we least likely expect it to. Uh, a good friend of mine... Uh, is a pastor, he's a mentor of mine. He had been serving a, a church community for, for eight years. Um, and there was a, a group of people within his church who, who weren't really happy with him. They weren't, they weren't really uh, happy that he was a pastor. Some didn't like what he said theologically. He would stand up on Sunday morning and challenge them. And they say, oh, I have to think that that doesn't line up with me. I don't, I don't, I don't really like it. Um, the presbytery got involved. It became a huge, huge mess. And rumors started to spread, false accusations started to come through, uh, and my friend's integrity was questioned for about 18 months. Every day, his integrity was, was questioned. I, I remember going to visit him, uh, and it was right before Ella was born, and I was riding in the car with, with my buddy, his wife, and his 12 or 13-year-old son at the time, um, and I, I, said, I said to his son, I said, you know, what do you wish the church knew about your dad? And he got real quiet. He said, I wish this church would see my dad praying for them daily. I wish they would see the tears that he sheds over them every single night. This was a 12-year-old boy. A 12-year-old boy saying that. Long, long story short, um, he ended up resigning from the church. And uh, the pastor of a neighboring church in a different denomination witnessed the whole thing, and, and after discussing the situation with, with his elders at his church, uh, they, they went to my friend and they said, we believe you have suffered for the gospel. We believe that, that you have suffered for the gospel, and so we are going to continue to pay your salary for a year simply so you can heal. Simply so you can, you can heal from the suffering that you've endured to prepare for whatever it is that is next. There are people in our, our circles, whether it's in this circle here at WPC, whether it's in our, our other circles, who have been wounded, sometimes by the church, sometimes by the church, other times by their family, by, by whomever. And we have the opportunity, I would say, we have the responsibility 
to walk with them, to, to pray with them. So are we listening to the pain of those that we're surrounded by? Do we see those who are suffering? And are we doing anything about it? I hear this beatitude as a little bit of a blessed are the persecuted. Do you see them? Do you, do you see this kind of undertone of, are you paying attention? Are you paying attention to what's happening around the world, but are you paying attention to what's happening around your own circles as well? So Jesus notices those who are down and out. He, he calls us to notice those who are down and out. But, but here, as Jesus talks about this blessing, it, it's specific. He says it's for those who suffer because of him. In verse 9, he says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And then in verse 10, the blessing is connected to Jesus himself, to him. Now, whenever we talk about righteousness, what, what comes to mind? What do you think of when you, when you hear righteousness? Holy. What was that? Holy. Holy. What else? Directed by the word of God. Directed by the, the word of God. Yeah. What else? Obedience. Obedience. Anything else? I think sometimes we, we think of, of holiness, we think of um, living a certain way. Um, I start thinking of self-righteousness, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I start thinking of, uh, the, the, you know, I think of people like, oh, that's self-righteous, and then I have to check my own self-righteousness, and then it's a cycle of, ah. <laughs> Anybody, I mean, you don't have to admit it. Um, um, but here, when Jesus is talking about righteousness, so blessed, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, and then because of me, he, he's connecting righteousness to, to reflecting himself, to reflecting him in, in, our, in our lives, in every season, in every circle. So, so he's saying righteousness is, is following the sort of life that I'm calling you to lead. Righteousness is imitating me. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of me. They're, they're connected with one another. And when we're, we're doing that, when we're imitating Jesus in our, in our best ability, the best we can, sometimes we're going to suffer because of it. Sometimes we're going to put ourselves, we talked about this a little bit last week, sometimes we're going to put ourselves in those uncomfortable situations, and they're going to call us to, to stand up for, for our faith. And that can be, be hard, but there, Jesus says, we're, we're blessed. It's back to the quote that I, I shared at the beginning of the sermon, where... Uh, the definition of persecution is seeking God in spite of what the rest of the world says, loving God no matter what's thrown our way, and following Jesus without any reservation. So if suffering for, for following Jesus uh, isn't confusing enough, um, Jesus continues with this, this call, uh, and, and I would go as far as to say this command, which is, is hard to hear, of rejoicing and being glad in the face of suffering, in the face of suffering. It's this, this upside-down moment uh, in, in Jesus' kingdom where, where joy isn't just an experience, it's not just an emotion, it's our duty that we are called not to be some sort of fake, happy person, but that we are some, called to, to be joyful in the midst of the trials that we face. So Jesus' followers are, are, are called to rejoice in the face of persecution because of the future reward for your reward in heaven and because of present company, because of the prophets that have gone before you, because of those that we walk with. We, we don't stand alone when we suffer for the gospel. 
we stand with one another and on the shoulders of the prophets of previous generations. There's this, this moment in the early church, and um, I think sometimes because it's a short part in Acts chapter 5, that, that, that we read through it, and it's possible to read through it and kind of miss something that I think is, is significant. So uh, the apostles, they go out, they go out and they start, they start teaching, they start, they start healing people, and, and the church starts growing exponentially. It starts growing and growing and growing. And the high priest and the religious officials, they see it all unfold and they get, they get frustrated by it because the apostles are disrupting the status quo and, and they're frustrated by how much the church is, is growing. So they, they have the apostles thrown in jail. They have them, them whipped. And here's the part that I think we sometimes miss. When they get out, they run through the streets. They run through the streets, going from house to house, rejoicing. Rejoicing because they were counted worthy of suffering in Jesus' name. They had just been in prison. They had just been whipped. And they get out, and they start running down the street rejoicing. Rejoicing because they were counted worthy of suffering for Jesus' name. Their suffering is prompted by righteousness. By by living the way that, that Jesus had called them to live. And they celebrate because... It's a sign that they are a part of the kingdom that Jesus talked so often with them about. So as we talk about persecution, as we talk about suffering, as we talk about finding hope and joy in, in, in the middle of it, I want to leave us with a couple of questions to ask ourselves, just as I have the last couple of weeks. And I know some of you have said, hey, those questions, I'd, I'd really like to see those questions. Tomorrow you're going to get an email from all of, with all of the questions that we've, we've talked through um, over the, the last few weeks um, through the Beatitudes. But... These questions, again, are, are here for us to, to kind of uh, take inventory on ourselves. To just kind of say, well, well how, where am I? How, how am I doing with this? And I just have, have two simple questions for us uh, this morning. Get to know the stories of those who are suffering and persecuted for their faith. If you're not familiar with the stories of persecution today, you can, you can look them up. I'd encourage you to point you towards a, a place called... Uh, the International Justice Mission, or to go read. There's a, a report put out every year uh, called the World Watch List um, from an organization called Open Doors, and they talk through all of the different um, places that, that persecution is happening now and today. I'll, I'll email all this out. Um, if you get our weekly, you'll, you'll, you'll get it. And then secondly, uh, along those lines, is how can you be praying for the folks who are suffering, for those who are persecuted? And again, it, it might be as simple as, as praying for, for places where we know there's a persecuted church, China, a persecuted church in India, a persecuted church in South Africa. You know that there are, not South Africa, South America and on the continent of Africa. And there's also people within in the U.S. who are suffering because of their beliefs. What does it look like to, to every week to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to pray for the persecuted church in China this week. What does that look like? And then secondly, I want to encourage you to think about ways that you can stand up for your what are you doing to stand up for your faith? How, how do we reflect Jesus into our communities? Even when it's difficult, even when it's inconvenient, even when it, it might come with a, a cost. What are we doing to reflect Christ in our communities? So after Jesus launches into the Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes, he, he turns toward the, these different instructions on, on how to live, uh, these different ways are there. He follows the, the Beatitudes with these you are statements. Next week we're going to be talking about you are salt of the, the world. Um, 
it's all light of the world. But he gets to these these different state, statements, and uh, as he talks through them, they're almost a map for for a journey. But they also foreshadow some of the types of suffering or ridicule that followers of Christ struggle with, that they endure along the way. So so we'll see that along the way, followers of Christ are, are ridiculed for for being fanatical for obeying Scripture. For being cowards, for working toward reconciliation instead of working to get even. For being prudes, for seeking purity. For being foolish or unpatriotic, for loving enemies. So we're going to kind of unpack what that looks like over over the next few weeks. But it's all set up with, with these beatitudes, with these blessings. The blessings are what kind of sends us out into the world to live as the people that Christ has called us to live. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, so many of our our brothers and sisters around the world suffered for their faith. God, we ask that you be with them. And Lord, as we seek to reflect you in our neighborhoods, in our our workplaces, in our communities, God, help us to find hope and joy even when it's difficult. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.